Welcome to Live with Domery Podcast here at Domery Healthy and Fit, where we bring you incredible episodes every week that will leave you inspired and wanting you to come back for more. Today's guest, we have Dr. Samantha Benson, PT, DPT, Neurology Rehab, special focus for multiple sclerosis patients. Stay tuned so you can hear everything there is to know about how to move forward with a positive life living with multiple sclerosis. Live. We're just waiting for... Hi, Dr. Samantha Benson. How are you? So I I had a little bit of brain problem, like getting those words out all the way. (laughs) <laughs> I know brain hab is hard to say. It's like therapy in itself. Right. So I just I had a little bit of my brain therapy today. But that's good. It just and I love that when I do make mistakes, people understand that is a problem that we have living with multiple sclerosis. Like yeah, it doesn't absolutely. mean we've been drinking, it doesn't mean we're tired, it doesn't mean any of those things. It just means the brain connection of our GPS is not working. Right? And you're exactly right. Yes, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> and multiple sclerosis. Why is that so hard to say, too? <laughs> and I mean, really, I mean, MS is easy, but a lot of people don't understand it. So when you have to say the full word, sometimes it doesn't even sound like multiple sclerosis. And my tongue and my brain get stuck on that. Yeah, I struggle to say sclerosis. Like, I don't, I don't know. It's a tough word. <laughs> it is a tough word. And you're the doctor. So <laughs> can you just imagine all of us living with multiple sclerosis and we're, like, trying to say the word ourselves. So <laughs> well, I'm so happy to be here. Thank you Thanks so much. Oh, my gosh. Thank you so much for coming on. I love your Instagram. It's so beautiful. And I love the fact that eat, you don't have to have MS to follow you because you're giving tips of things that anybody can do for brain health. Things that, you know, somebody that's 20 years old could use for brain health. And yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and I love that it's like in like pieces and it kind of goes down and it's like information, photo view, very informative. And you just have Thank a great, you. great, great page for everyone to go and look for. So Samantha, Doc, actually, would you prefer Dr. Benson? I always have people call me Sam, but Sam or Samantha. Samantha. Okay, Samantha. Why don't you tell us about your business and how you came to focus on multiple sclerosis? But before that question, when you were in college, did you know that you wanted to actually go into this type of career? Yeah, that's interesting. I knew I wanted to do healthcare, um, but I wasn't sure exactly where to focus. Um, a lot of my friends and my sister were going into nursing, so I thought that was probably might, like, possibly where I wanted to go. Um, but I've always had a passion for like, exercise and rehab, and once I kind of discovered what it would take to be a physical therapist and kind of what that career path could possibly be, I fell in love with it and just and went with it. That's amazing. Yeah, so did you start off in college like studying kinesiology or did you kind of start with just general brain and kind of moving along there? Like where was that connection click that made you go from learning the body to focusing on the brain? Yeah, I did um, graduate with an exercise science degree. 
And I actually thought I was going to be like a sports therapist. Mm -hmm. I really liked, I envisioned myself kind of working for like a professional sports team. Um, But once I went to, like got into my doctor of physical therapy program, I really loved my neuroscience courses and like neuro rehab. That was something that I didn't even know physical therapists did, even though it was something that I was, you know, thinking about doing. I was just so focused on like the sports aspect. So um, once I once I took those courses and really loved it, I started doing clinicals in it and eventually got a job doing it. And then um, here I am now working with like patients who have multiple sclerosis and even taking the brain and specializing it even further into doing a specific diagnosis. So that's amazing. It really is amazing because I mean, our brain is our computer, right? It's, it, yeah, it, it is, is our, our brain is responsible for so much <laughs> for everything. It, if the brain wasn't yeah. working, we wouldn't be talking or we wouldn't be alive. We would be brain dead, which means the entire body would have to be on a respirator to function. So, yeah, I mean, yeah. it, let me ask you this question because we always say it or I, and I always see jokes about it that we literally only use 10% of our brain. And the brain has 100% capacity, like if you do not have multiple sclerosis. Why do you think that is? I think so. I've heard that so many times too, and it's kind of misleading. It's really essentially we only use 10% of our brain at a time because if we use our entire brain, like all of the time, we would have no energy to do anything else. So it's an energy conservation technique where we use a certain percentage of our brain based on the task that we're doing at the time. Um, and that's actually like a really interesting point for multiple sclerosis as well, because there's a, a something that I talk a lot about, use it or lose it is a principle for neuroplasticity. Mm-hmm. And if we don't use things, our brain never focuses on that task. And eventually the brain will take over other responsibilities and kind of that, that part of the brain won't be active and won't help us when we, when we come to need it. I'm so glad I asked you that question because true, when we are in a major flare, right, of multiple sclerosis, you said if we're not using that brain and it's not being powered by thought to move forward, if we're laying in a state of complete fatigue, sleep and dark rooms, not moving, not going, that makes your multiple sclerosis even worse and continuing to get worse like even just playing a a finger game like you know i remember when i first got diagnosed the doctor's like i always and correct me if you think that this is the right thing to keep doing like the touch your finger you know touch your left eye and tell yourself to do it touch your lips and like do like both hand movements so when i'm in a flare i've done all of these little techniques yeah, that's a really good one for coordination, which is something like a really significant part of our brain um, for it, like coordinating steps when we're walking, but also you know coordinating being able to touch our nose and touch specific um, points, small points. So yeah, that's that's a really important role in the brain. But you're right about when you're getting flares and you're not active, you kind of get in this cycle that you know people with multiple sclerosis commonly know about, but people that don't have multiple sclerosis do as well. And the cycle is essentially. If we are fatigued from something, whether it's multiple sclerosis or another aspect of our body, we will eventually stop 
using our muscles as much. We'll stop exercising, stop moving as much because we're tired. But that leads to its own set of problems when we start to develop weakness and weak muscles take more energy to move, which makes us more fatigued. And it's this huge cycle that is hard to get out of, but it's so important for, I mean, every human, let alone someone who has multiple sclerosis and, you know, fatigue of multiple sclerosis that's fighting against you constantly. Yes. So, um, Sam, Dr. Benson, um, with that being said, if you come across a new patient um, and you're working with them and they literally have been living with the disease for many years and they're in a wheelchair and they've been told there is no change, you're not going to change, how do you take them as your new patient to slowly get them to understand we can retrain your brain when they feel like they can't. Yeah, I, you know, and it's, it's, a, it's a slow process sometimes, but the little things that you do every day mm-hmm. um, are really helpful in getting you stronger and getting you moving. So for the people that are, have found themselves like in a wheelchair, not at the level that they would like to be at, um, I focus on small pieces at a time, like one day at a time. Um, is, you know, if we focus too far into the future or too far into the past, I think that's like a recipe for depression or anxiety. Um, so, you know, saying, look, what can we do today that's going to feel good and make you feel productive that was going to help you get stronger and like taking that day after day after day, you're going to eventually see big progress and big changes. And that is possible for people who um, have more severe multiple sclerosis. It just is going to take a little bit more time. True, and I also believe it could also depend upon someone with a brain injury that, you know, has suffered a car crash or falling off of a horse or anything, like even just slipping and falling backwards and hitting your brain. What you just said, everything about brain and movement and memory and slow baby steps will apply to anybody in the world that has any type of brain situation injury or disease yeah absolutely i'm reading a book right now um it's called my stroke of insight and it's about a woman who in her i think she was in her 30s or 40s she had a really rare form of stroke and she's a neuroanatomist and she eventually like took her eight years to regain her full function but i think learning about the brain and knowing about the brain helped her rehab herself Mm -hmm. um and also i mean and she eventually fully functioning wrote a book about it i mean it's it's a really fascinating story and you know there's people like that in like the stroke community neuro community and certainly plenty of people like yourself in the multiple sclerosis community who have overcome obstacles that they didn't think were possible it's so true can you actually say the name of that book for people that would want to buy it and read that what is it again it's called my stroke of insight and it's because it's, uh, she actually had a stroke, so wow. Yeah, it's it's not that long of a read, it's but it's it's fascinating and she talks about like what she did to, to rehab her brain. Um it's by Dr. Jill Bolt Taylor. But it's it's a really great read. Um I love reading stories like this. It motivates me and, and I, it gives me things to talk to my patients about to inspire them as well. Mm-hmm. So um what would you want to make as an Um, encouragement about the project that you've been working on and what it's about. So you're 
working on your Instagram, you're working on the tools to get people to continue to come back to your page, to hire you to help them get through their physical therapy. When they get to your page, they can go into your website, look up your information, and do you do online talks like this with groups yeah, or do, Zoom? Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I so, do virtual rehab. Um, but I'm working on, I'm trying to, so my, one of my biggest struggles since I started my business is I love preventative rehab for multiple sclerosis and I don't think enough people seek physical therapy soon enough. Mm. So I actually, my, speaking of books, I'm writing one myself on preventative rehab and, um, all the things that people with multiple sclerosis can do to, to prevent certain things from happening and also make improvements that they already have. Um, so I think this is going to be an excellent tool to reach the people that I have been struggling to reach since I started my business and just talking to people about how they can become their own physical therapist and, you know, understand their brain, understand their body and what's going on. Yes. So um, have you found that reaching out using this platform, Instagram, social media, Facebook, um, other platforms that you may be using, that you're going out and looking for specific multiple sclerosis patients or foundations to help you get to that next step? Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't consider myself very good at social media. It's a, it's it's a whole, it's like a job in itself. Um, <laughs> it is. <laughs> but, but I like haven't mastered how to how to do social media by any means. But um, I do think it's a really great resource. Like it's, it's the information that you can learn on, on particularly Instagram. I think is is fascinating. So I, if I come across something that I get really excited about or that I want to that I think other people would benefit from. I'd make a post about it, but um, but yeah, it's, it's hard to keep up with, honestly. I don't know how you do it. You're so good at it. Um, it is a full-time job. I am literally either, well, this is my office, the podcast room and everything, and I am literally studying, researching from 9 a.m. to 6 p.m. every day. And in between yeah. those days, I'm either on a photo shoot or I'm in the middle of book three right now and I have to get all of the photos to my editor. Then I'm on a podcast. And you're right, it, it's a full-time job. But to me, I am using social media to reach thousands of people across the world. And I hunt for them. I go out to hashtag MS or hashtag fatigue or hashtag anxiety and people are willing to put their stories out there and it's healing for them. Do you, I, I believe it's healing when you accept and you acknowledge and you write down your, your triumphs and your struggles. Do you oh, think absolutely. that that is yeah, a really yeah. good brain therapy? Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I, you know, I talk about this in my book a little bit and about how, I think you need a balance of following people that inspire you and that you um, mm -hmm. like look up to or, and like that are, can be like a role model for like where you want to be within your life and your rehab, but also following people who are brutally honest about their stories and their struggles. And I, you know, I think that's, you have to have a little bit of both. Um, and I think that makes like, you do that very, very well. Like I love seeing that you're not, you're a human at the end of the day and 
you know, I don't believe if I've ever seen someone's Instagram and it looks like they live like this perfect, flawless life without any struggles, I just like don't buy it. You know, there's everyone has struggles regardless. And so I think finding a balance between someone that makes you happy, like following people that make you happy or stories that inspire you um, Mm -hmm. are really important, but making sure that it's realistic and um, that people are honest. That is very true, and I truly believe that um, you, as a doctor studying Dr. Samantha um, Benson, looking at these Instagrams, one, Instagram was just a quick, like, great photo. It has Mm -hmm. literally, like the brain, evolved into this web of real connection to people around the world, and now people are feeling more comfortable about really being honest and telling your story because we all want to help people. You want to help as many people as possible in your you know, medical practice and moving forward. And there are certain times that you have to use different ways of getting it done, which is you're currently writing your book. You're mm-hmm. on Instagram, you're dealing with patients, you're, you know, going back and forth with people from Instagram. And that is really what the brain needs. It's like a jungle of this connection and where do I store it to remember? And then oh, way over here in, you know, London, I've got that friend that inspires me constantly with his posts and I store it over here. And then it's almost like I'm rebuilding my brain by being on Instagram and reading and going through everyone's stories. So do you think that is actually like more of a tool now than anything from before? Yeah, I, yeah, absolutely. I think that, you know, what is exactly what you said, like, especially the learning aspect that you can do on Instagram, like following pages where you can learn things. That's so good for your brain. I had a section, I have a section of my book on cognitive rehab and, you know, keep you know, wanting to improve your brain's functioning and all the research that I did. One of the best things you can do is simply learn, learning, like learn a new language, learn, you know, learn about a new hobby, learn how to improve a new task, learn about something that interests you first and foremost. Um, but any anything that you can possibly do to engage your brain and learn is extremely beneficial. Okay, so now we're, I want to ask you a quick question about time on a computer because as you saw when I opened up the, the podcast, I had my reading glasses on that had the blue light because I started to notice I was having a hard time seeing again and I was losing my vision because of my multiple sclerosis. How much time do you believe we should be spending on a computer working, someone in an office, researching as a college student to someone up in their 70s, 80s? How much can the brain actually take? Yeah, I think the biggest, um, one of the biggest components of that is making sure that you're not spending too long in one duration staring at the same thing. So, you know, it's okay to be on the computer for most of the day as long as every... I would say like at least every 50 minutes at least get up and move around, look at something different, you know, look at, look outside at like a bigger picture um, mm-hmm. view uh, or look at a look at a book or something that's not a computer screen or moving. So I think, you know, it's okay to spend, we are spending most of our day on the computer, pretty much everybody at this point. Um, 
but it, the biggest thing is making sure that you take breaks and walk away from whatever little thing you're staring at and um, look at the bigger picture and try, look, make your eyes visualize on something something else. That's great advice. And I love that you just said that because when I redid my personal space up here in my office, I did purposely did not put my computer against a flat wall. So here I am at the end of the room, but I am looking out at my entire office of colors and different patterns and different textures of fabric and blankets. And I've noticed that it makes my time up here seem to go by super fast versus when you're locked into a room looking at a wall and just a computer and whatever mess or cleanliness you have tends to really make you more exhausted. Is that my perception or is that true? No, that's very true. Yeah. And I think you brought up a good point of like what your scenery is and what your view is every day. Um, a lot of my, I can't believe how many of my patients keep their blinds closed every day. Like the, the very first thing I do when I wake up is open my blinds just to get like a perspective outside of this like this house and room that we've all been living in for the past year. So I always, I open everyone's blinds as soon as I walk in. I'm just, just to give a little bit of a different perspective, a little bit of a different view. And mm -hmm. just this, just sunshine can do so much for our, our brain as well. It changes the cycle that we're on. It helps us when we are exposed to sunlight during the day, it helps us sleep better at night um, because we haven't been living in darkness all day. Um, so, I mean, you know, having a good view, like you said, switching it up whenever we can, um, is also beneficial. That's great. Can you give us any other advice on um, vitamin D being outdoors in general for the brain, for the eyes, like how it connects from the visual part to the brain and to the memory process of what did we feel? Was it the warmth? Like how does that all actually connect? Yeah, I think that's, that's, that's honestly, you know, to get, and it's like a medical mystery for some, for some, but there's, there's some, what I think is really fascinating about multiple sclerosis is um, how many people are diagnosed when they live further from the equator. So that definitely shows us that there is some connection to vitamin D and multiple sclerosis. Um, exactly what that is or what that means. I haven't found any researcher that has given a clear answer on that yet, but I, I think it, I, I don't know, it, the melatonin, the sun, I think it, the fact that you, I think you sleep better when we're exposed to sunlight and um, warmth during the day. And then when at night it's cold and dark, you know, having that difference, the different sensory stimulations in our brain and in our body, um, I, you know, helps help us sleep better, give us, gives us different vitamins in our, in our blood system and our muscles and so I think, I don't, I don't know that I would love to know the answer to that. And I think there's a lot of people in the multiple sclerosis community interested in learning more about that. Me too. And I grew up on the East coast. So I was okay. born, I was born in Maine, but grew up in Connecticut my entire young adult life until um, I was 19 and then moved away for um, school and then began my career. So having that cold weather, having those dark, gloomy days. I never had vitamin D unless it was our summertime. Right, which isn't enough. <laughs> which no. isn't enough. And then, yeah. honestly, move and then getting married and moving to California, 
my life seemed to be a little bit better. But then we moved back to the Midwest and the weather was just like it was on the East Coast. Although I didn't know I had MS at the time, symptoms got worse. And then moving back out to California, symptoms got worse in the beginning from stress, but then got better and then boom, got worse because I had to have surgery and it was like the impact. So I can honestly see where climate, where you're born, like you said, closer to the, further from the equator and um, what type of environment we live in really truly yeah. affects a majority yeah, think, of and women mostly, which is very yeah. odd. Yeah, I think that part of it too, part of the warm weather might be people that live in warmer climates are used to being more active, you know, 12 months out of the year um, versus, you know, I grew up in Michigan and it's like there's like seven months of horrible weather so cold wet dark yeah Yeah. and you just want to stay indoors like a bear and yeah and that not only affects and that probably affects you too but you may not have multiple sclerosis but it affects your brain and your serotonin levels your ability to want to keep positive Right. Yeah. I mean, gloomy weather. Not to bring, not to pinpoint one part of the United States, but Seattle is like probably one of the worst. And there's so much depression, and people just do not have vitamin D. That most of their buildings have special lighting in it that is like a fake light of sunlight. Yeah, I don't know how. I I heard Seattle's beautiful. I haven't been yet, but I don't know how. I couldn't. I don't know if I could live with so much rain and and you know, darkness all the time. I, I read this funny meme that was something along the lines of um, that you didn't know you had seasonal depression until you saw sun for the first time in the year. And that like definitely happened to me this year. It's, it's been sunny in Philadelphia and um, I am so thankful for the sunshine and especially after 2020 and the pandemic. <laughs> True. And I really think that tw- let's talk. Can we talk a little bit about brain health and 2020? We've all been locked up. We've all been fearful. We've all been indoors for so long. Even some that have sunlight and beautiful bright colors. I think it's mentally affected the entire world, not just the United States. And a lot of people are suffering from deep depression, which is a part of the brain and the serotonin. So what would you suggest if let's get off the, we can bring it into multiple sclerosis also, but what would you suggest to help everyone in the world today and anyone listening to the podcast or following through onto my page to help them get to that next step of, okay, we're coming out of the worst year ever. Where do we go from here? Yeah, I, I, one of my biggest things is I know that everybody knows how important physical activity is. Mm-hmm. I think the hardest part is not being motivated to do physical activity. So, you know, it's not that people don't know that exercise is good for them. It's that it's hard to fit into your life and it's hard to get motivated to do it. So I think finding um, a different motivation behind exercise is key. And, you know, in this last year, I've change the way that I think about exercise to help me do it more often. And instead of exercise being like a chore, an additional thing in my day that I have to do, but don't want to do, I really started thinking about exercise as like me time. And no matter if it's 
me doing 30 minutes of stretching because that's all I feel like I can do that day or if it's me getting in a really tough 30 minute workout regardless the focus behind it is something that I can do for my self-care so I'm really focusing on that with my patients with any well, anyone but you know with multiple sclerosis or any neurologic condition um, it, changing the way that you think about exercise can really help you want to do it more and I think self-care is something that we're talking a lot more about than we ever have before. Right. But yeah, and which is, is so important. And I think, you know, you know, back in like the 1940s or even 70s, 80s, self-care was considered selfish. You know, like how is she spent how is she taking the time to do this for herself or or how is he doing this for himself? You know, there's other important things in life that they need to focus on. And it's like, no, we you know, we need to take care of ourselves before we can be the people that the person that we ultimately want to be for others. Exactly. And um, yeah, I take time for myself. You have to. And sometimes I like to just get in the car and just drive sometimes with no music and the roof down or, you know, blasting the music and being crazy and singing as loud that I could wake up five houses that I drive by. But that time alone with myself being a goofball actually raises my serotonin yeah absolutely yeah there's, there's a lot of ways to, to raise serotonin and that's an that's an excellent way um i always like i came up with some of my best ideas for my book or my best lines in my book when i when i go for a walk and that's kind of i walk listen to music and i that is such a recharge moment for me and for my life you know if i get down in a funk i just put my music on and i like force myself out the door and as soon as i get out there and start moving I'm enjoying it, and I just keep going. So music has been around forever, right? Since man, like, found a way to make the sound of taking a rock and banging it to another one. That became sound, music. So how does music therapy help everybody in the world? We could do autism, stroke, heart, cancer, any type of autoimmune to being born with a part of the brain that does not work. Music therapy of any kind really triggers so many different senses in the body. Can you explain that? Yeah, I mean, one example that I started thinking about when you were asking the question, um, Parkinson's disease, there's actually like a lot of research that if you have a tempo that you're listening to when you're walking, mm-hmm. Parkinson's disease patients walk smoother and faster. You know, a, a key for um, like a kind of a signature symptom of Parkinson's disease is like freezing gait and having a really difficult time coordinating their legs. But if they're listening to a tempo and listening to music, they kind of like their body moves to this tempo and they move a lot smoother and quicker. So I think it's, you know, our brain is very connected to sound. And when we hear that rhythm and that beat, um, it helps us move in a, in a smoother pattern. Um, and I think that's true for a lot of different diseases and diagnoses. I know if I'm on a run and I'm like starting to lose energy, but then like a really motivating song comes on, I find this energy I didn't know I had to just keep pushing through. Yeah. It, it's really incredible, the brain. I mean, when you really think about it, like we're all like, yeah, we're, like I did this today. But when you really realize what you did and the power it took from your brain to help you get there, you really start to appreciate taking care of self-care and 
really caring for yourself to fuel your body from your brain, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think, you know, and one of the most fascinating things about the brain is the way that it works together and the way that it can kind of overcome disease and um, like a stroke and any kind of negative impact the brain has. It has other counter uh, measures to like fight back against that. And, you know, that's a big part of neuroplasticity, but it's also, you know, in stroke, if there's a certain area of the brain that can no longer function, other areas of the brain can take over to learn that responsibility. Um, so that's, that's essentially what neuroplasticity is, but just the, the different segments of the brain that all are, have their own responsibilities that all communicate together and then that are connected to every organ, muscle, and tissue in our body um, to kind of work together in a system is, is extremely fascinating. And I think one of the biggest things that differentiates humans from other animals is our is our brain and our ability to like reason and, and understand um, and interpret information. Which is just a, absolutely incredible. I mean, literally, if we could take every single brain and connect it, like we are connected through Wi-Fi and the cloud and everything else, and use and harness that power of like doing, you know, from what's the car that runs on energy? I can't think of the name of the car. Tesla. Like Tesla. You know, yeah. and th just the amount of the energy used, like a force of energy somehow, if we could harness that through everybody in the world to power things and to like really bring together so much more learning. Oh my God. Can you imagine what no. we would be capable yeah. of? There was that one movie that was made, although it did freak me out, but there was that one movie, and I can't think of it, but it was Johnny Depp, and he was studying the brain, and then he became actual particles of, like, the world. He was so powerful that it just... Oh, yeah. And I was like, oh, my God, can you just imagine what, if we just used 10 more percent, like, how could you help us today... Give us a tool. If we're only, if I'm only using ten percent, and I know that half of my brain has been destroyed because of multiple sclerosis, and it's at its final stages, like le the myelin sheath has been completely eaten by my own white blood cells. Thank you guys. Um, in my last brain MRI, that it's a per they're permanent, like they're they're scarred, they're deep, and but there's little ones that are still there that can actually be healed by me focusing on that part of the brain body connection or the brain speech hearing connection. And I think that we need more help on teaching multiple sclerosis patients and other people that deal with brain issues that if we just focus on more other things and if, if you can help me get those out there, how can we move forward and you teach us to actually, it's not just about picking up another book and reading. It's also texture. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. I mean, you can read a book and I think that's the step one is learning and step two is translating that to something meaningful in your life and how are you going to use this every day. Um, one of the best tips for, for rehab is the power of repetition and it can seem monotonous and that you're not getting anywhere but 
every time you repeat a task or a movement or something that you that you've lost because of a lesion of MS or that you lost because of a stroke, um, if you repeat the task over and over, even if you can't do it and you just look at your arm and think about moving your fingers and moving your hand, your brain is listening to your to your actions and, and your requests to do these things. And your brain wants to help you gain, get that back. And eventually you can create new connections in your brain and you can rewire your brain to start doing those tasks again. And your different parts of the brain that weren't damaged can learn that responsibility and can help you relearn and be able to do it again. So, you know, repetition, thinking about things like using using your brain and your nervous system as a, a tool to help you regain function and regain strength and regain something that you lost um, is really powerful. And it, you know, it's scientifically proven. Um, so yeah, re repeating and talking, talking to yourself, talking to your brain, you know, I can't do this and this is what I'm trying to do. Like literally talking to yourself, even if you feel like it's crazy, mm -hmm. um, can, is so helpful in, um, helping, helping your brain help you get that back. I love that. I talk to myself all the time. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's powerful. It really is. <laughs> Um, and half of the time I'm like, oh, wait, what was I doing? <laughs> I'm always talking to myself. Um, so repetition and positive, like instead of saying I can't, mm -hmm. say I'm tr I, I want to move my arm. I want yeah. to feel my fingers. So certain words actually are a positive or a negative, like a battery, right? Like we have the yeah. negative and the positive words. And I found myself saying, well, I can't. And I found myself getting worse. And then I realized it, I don't think it was the MS, but it was the MS, but it was the words I was using. So mm -hmm. I then realized, okay, I have to retrain my entire thought process of how I speak. And mm -hmm. how I look at things and never saying I can't, although I just said it right now. It's I will, I'm going, I'm moving, I'm going to keep taking one more step. And when you're constantly saying that over and over and over, it's like a new part of the brain just reacted as the positive side when the battery is not working. Yeah. And yeah, you're absolutely right. I mean, saying positive things to yourself, telling yourself you can do this, you know, is, is motivating to not only make you keep trying, make you keep reattempting, which is going to help your brain and your muscles relearn the task, but it's also telling, you know, telling your brain, telling yourself and changing your attitude about the, about what you're doing, um, making you more likely to repeat it, like I said, um, but also it is helpful in your brain more beyond be on your side and, and do things with you and for you to help you continue. But yeah, you nailed it. You're, you're absolutely right. And Thank I, you. I've learned more in this last year too, that we wake up and have a choice of how our day is going to go, at least mentally. Like, are we going to, what, what are we going to mentally, how are we going to perceive our day? Is it, is it going to be, a, I feel happy today. I'm going to try my best to have a good day. Or do you wake up and today already sucks and it's, it's just going to not be a good day, you know? And our brain is responsible for that, just like it's responsible for so many other things in our life. So true. And I do find that when I am reading someone that's having a tough time, 
um, that it may start off with, yeah, this is how my day went. And then they use the word suck, but then they find themselves pulling themselves out of that hole towards a positive movement moving forward with affirmations of love and knowing that they can continue to move forward. So I just believe that the world always has dealt with this. I believe that every human being has dealt with this, but now we need to transform into that true self-love, self-care, that true I am the perfect me because I am the only me and there's nothing wrong with me. You may have a disability, you may have a slow speech, you may have autoimmune, but instead of the world telling us, well, you're labeled here, let's stop the labeling and let's start retraining everybody to look at things differently in the positive light of moving forward. Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, everyone is handled, handed challenges and struggles in their life. And there are certain people that choose to not let that affect how they see themselves and how they perceive the world and how they want to continue to live their life. Mm -hmm. And other people that I think just need more time to process their, you know, whatever the challenge and struggle is that they're facing. Um, I know I've, I had heard of positive affirmations several times in my life and I didn't, I wasn't ready to hear it. I wasn't ready to try it several times. Um, but then one time I heard it and I gave it a shot and it, and positive affirmations really helped me. Um, and I, once I realized that I was in control of my thoughts and that if I was having a negative thought, it's because I was, I was, my brain was negatively thinking and I could decide to change that if I wanted to, mm -hmm. um, that really like opened my eyes to just a different, different outlook and a different, different way of living. How'd that feel? I mean, it's incredible. You know, I still, I still struggle every day and, you know, we I all do. Have, <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I think that's important, too, because I think people think that positive, happy people are happy all of the time. No. No, no, no. I have yeah. many hours in a day that I am not positive, not happy, and usually screaming at something that doesn't make any sense. Or, you know, I can't blame my kids anymore because they're all in Paris. So it's like Gaston, <laughs> you know, my poor little puppy. Why did you make a mess yeah. in the, in the you know, on the couch? Or, you know, or I get frustrated with myself. Like, okay, how come I cannot get the laundry done? It's like the simplest thing to do. Well, it's, yeah. it's called, okay, you don't actually like doing laundry. That's why you can't get it done. So let's, it's almost like you got to play a game with yourself just to go get it done. Right. Yes. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and I think, and you know. the laundry also compares to the workout. It compares to, you know, taking time to help someone else. So all of those things are things that we need to retrain constantly. Yeah. And, I, and, and especially like, you know, creating some kind of like positive reinforcement for things that we don't want to do. Like I have really, I've started listening to like podcasts and books when I'm doing the chores that I hate doing. So if mm -hmm. I, if I do the dishes, I save this special podcast that I love. Um, and I will listen to that when I'm doing my, um, doing my dishes and doing my chores and doing those things that I don't want to do. And I only, I make a point to only listen to it when I am doing something that I don't want to do just to make it a little bit better. <laughs> 
I love that. So then that's actually creating a, a like a little archive in the brain that now the brain hears that music and it's like, oh, it's time to go do the laundry or, oh, it's exactly. time to go do the dishes. So that's a really great tip. Thank you for saying that. Yeah. So yeah. what you're saying is when you like a particular song or a music or melody or even a podcast, a channel or a show that gets you more involved to do the things you don't want to do, it's creating a positive reinforcement that when you, the brain, the eyes, the ears, hear it, see it, feel it, puts you into the mode of moving forward and getting it done with a task and yeah. you become happier. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Now, you know, when I, if I say I don't, I don't feel like doing the dishes, I'll think, but I really do want to listen to that podcast. So if I, as soon as I put that on, I get up and I do the dishes and I'm more focused on listening to the podcast than the task that I'm doing. And it just makes the entire experience so much better. That is incredible. I, you know, I mean, I listen to music and sometimes I listen to the same song over and over and over. So I guess it's confusing my brain. <laughs> so I yeah. need to, I need to pick one song for like certain things in my life that are yeah. to get me to get those things done that I don't want to. Yeah. And I have, I have specific playlists for my workouts too. Like I just have a running playlist that I only listen to when I'm running um, so that I don't spoil the songs or spoil the music. Um, that So then that, you know, it's another thing that like helps push me through the workout, gets my foot, gets my butt out the door and also keeps me going. So I think, you know, the power of what you listen to and what you surround yourself with is extremely important. That is so important. And I'm so glad that we're talking about this because I believe that I don't think there's a book written about the power of individual music for individual tasks of your life. Sam, yeah, I, don't know. I just gave you a new part of your book. Okay. <laughs> I, do, I do talk a little bit about this book, but not... You know, now you're just going to have to like really get into the nitty gritty. And then when we get the book, we'll know all how to actually align it to our personality. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. Yeah. I mean, I'll, I'll talk more about it even than I have because it sounds like something that maybe other people would be interested in. Absolutely. I mean, even when you don't speak the language and there's, you know, a song from you know, Parisian song or Italy song or, you know, English or any other language, it's the rhythm and the music that your brain is functioning to. Whether you understand the words or not, it still connects to the body and makes your body want to, you know, get moving. I mean, just, yeah. think, of, just think of babies when they start to learn to walk and then they hear a song and everyone's always videotaping a baby, right? with like, mm -hmm. oh my gosh, and they're just dancing and having fun. And it's like, boom, the brain is wide open and learning. And yeah, yeah I think so totally like, you should that. I'm giving you okay. more work to do for your book. There you go. All right. <laughs> I can do it. Yeah, I saw someone comment um, comment about their, they, they use music and like singing to get their baby to go to sleep. So, you know, just as music can make us very stimulated based on what we're listening to. It can also bring us to like a calm, quiet place and help us sleep and relax too. So there's, mm -hmm. there's so many benefits. So true. And I mean, they had that app, right? Um, the noise app or I, I don't know. I listen to 
like a sound at night. It's actually my filter. But I used to use the app that was Brown Noise, and it would put me to sleep. And then I was like, well, what if I'm in a location like I don't have my electric or brown noise? I have to have some kind of sound. So I started to listen to the humming sound of like the filter in the house, which sometimes you can get out in the wilderness, the, the, of the trees and things oh, like that. Okay. So I think sound research should be a whole lot bigger than it is today. Yeah, I agree. I agree. There's, there's definitely a, a lot to it. You can use it in so many different parts of your life. So true. And I mean, can you just, how do you feel when you're out walking in the woods? Like, I love it. I I love the crackle of like my step. I love the whispering winds. I love looking up in the trees and like seeing the birds. And I swear I have been connected to the trees forever because I am obsessed with looking at trees. Yeah, <laughs> I'm sure you have a lot to look at in California. Well, we have a lot of palm yeah. trees and stuff, but I'm talking like wherever we go in the world, wherever yeah. we travel, you will always see me doing this. And I don't know why, but any kind of tree, I'm just like looking Same. up and <laughs> like t- and like looking at the bark and like touching it. And it's almost like I'm two years old again and I just want to touch, feel, climb and listen to like the whispering part of the wind flowing through. So to me, that was always music. Yeah, and I, I you know, I think a big part of it is, you know, we, we talked a lot about Instagram earlier and how like learning and is so stimulating. But when you're away from all of that, like we spend so much time with in, in front of TVs and being like advertisements thrown at us and you know, seeing different experiences on, on social media. And then once we are completely like away from that and we just see nature and, and quiet, we hear quiet or like na- nature sounds like birds and animals and whatever it is being in a different environment that's natural and quiet and calm is, is something that we all need, you know, at least once a week in our life to kind of recharge our mind, relax and, think about something other than all this all this information is constantly thrown at us exactly yeah and god i need a vacation (laughs) (laughs) when is that gonna happen again (laughs) who knows i don't know until i don't know i'm hoping soon but um last night my husband surprised me he's like do you want to go for a walk on the beach and i'm like yeah and instead of us just like doing the same stuff we've been doing like make dinner he works out i'm catching up and doing research prior to a podcast or anything that i'm doing and then the text came through and it was just like yes we grabbed gaston we went down to the beach the wind the ocean the sunset i was smiling from ear to ear and then when we got up to the car and i was just like that was the best suggestion. We, we're one mile from the ocean. Why don't we do this more often? Yeah, you should make a point and do it once a week at least. Yeah, it was just, it really like energized me. And it was just yeah, it, so incredible. It's Yeah, that's, that, sounds, that sounds awesome. We do something similar too. I, I have a dog and we live in the city. And so I, I just all, often I don't want to walk my dog for whatever situation, whether stress or I'm busy, but every time I get get out the door and just start like smelling like the breathing in the fresh air and just getting out there, it's such a treat every time, almost every time, not every time, but almost every time. And do you feel like you energized your brain? 
Uh, yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, it's, it's the the movement and like the, the rhythm of our, our body moving and walking is so therapeutic and it is energizing and in so many different ways, but it's, you know, I think that's another thing I talk about in my book is sometimes the hardest part is saying that you're going to do it and starting it. And once we start it, our body is like, Oh my gosh, yes, this is exactly what I needed. I'm glad we're doing this. Like, let's keep going. Um, even if it's light and you don't feel like you're getting an insane workout from it, whatever movement you're doing for your body is therapeutic in so many different ways. Yeah. Amazing. It's just so amazing. Okay. So, um, Dr. Sam Benson, um, you've made a lot of posts on neuroplasticity on your Instagram. Can you talk more about that and why it's so important for individuals with multiple sclerosis? About yeah, so I, you know, yeah. Neuro neuroplasticity is, I've already talked about it a little bit, but it's like one of my favorite topics and one of the most fascinating things. I think when I started learning about neuroplasticity in my neuroscience and neuromuscular courses, I was convinced that neuro rehab is what I wanted to focus on just because I was completely blown away and amazed. Um, like neuroplasticity sounds like something that is fake or not real, um, but it, it, it's, it's a true phenomenon that happens in our brain and it's the brain's ability to rewire, reconnect and rejuvenate new, new connections and, and learn and improve tasks and, and our ability um, to do different things. And I, you know, it's, it's important for the brain and, I have a nephew right now. He's um, almost a year old. And so he's, his neuroplasticity is obviously like infants learning things. And it's just so amazing to watch him from a, 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 like a child's eyes and his perspective. But I see that with my multiple sclerosis patients and my neuro patients too. It's you're, you have to relearn these things. It's like you're experiencing some of them for the first time and the brain is has no idea how to do it because the part that is supposed to do it was damaged. And so you, it's a, it's a whole new experience. Like you're like, you're an infant and picture, you know, how many times I watched my nephew, how many times he tries to stand up by himself and mm -hmm. how many times he falls before he gets back up. And, you know, the brain, every time he stands is, is trying to work out which muscles do I need to use, which, which part of the brain is going to help his coordination be a little bit better. Um, you know, which part of the brain is, is going to help him with his balance, you know, all of those things, um, is the same thing that our brains are doing when there's any kind of damage or any type of impairment. So just being patient with yourself, doing that repetition that we talked, that I talked about, um, and just trusting that your brain is trying to help you and work with you to rewire and assign a new part of the brain to take responsibility. Um, and then, you know, the, the use it or lose it and they use it in improvement, um, are something I, I've recently put a post about. So doing things that you have to, um, doing, doing things that you don't feel like you need to work on mm -hmm. are just as important. Like balance, for example, people that are newly diagnosed don't think that they have to work on balance, but, um, if you don't practice balance, then you can lose some of that function, especially with multiple sclerosis. So just being a well-rounded, um, well-rounded, not an athlete, I guess, you know, I, I say everyone's an athlete if they exercise. So mm -hmm. being a well-rounded athlete, um, in working on strengthening balance, stretching and your aerobic endurance, like all of those components are going to help your brain. That's amazing. And, um, tell me what you think of this, because I've been doing this for so many years and I never really realized how much it impacted me throughout the years 
prior to my diagnosis. So I've always worked in high fashion. I was a district sales manager. So I was always dressed in high heels, managing, moving, driving, whatever. And then days when I was off, I was in sneakers or hiking boots or flat shoe. I found that that structure of moving, lose it, you move it or lose it and, you know, keep trying to build that shoes make a massive impact in the strength of our legs. Mm-hmm. Like you yeah, can train, but when you're in a wedge and you're working and you're running and you're doing all kinds of stuff or a high heel at a different length, your brain is now thinking, I have to use all of these muscles in the brain and back and stomach to walk in this thing that she just put on my foot. And then it's yeah. like you take them off and then it's like, oh, wait, whoa, whoa. Uh, now I'm flat. Now I got to learn to walk a different way. So I've always used my shoes as therapy for my legs. And when people say, how on earth can you walk in all those high heels with multiple sclerosis? I'm like, it's actually really good therapy for your legs, but I never really know how to under to like word it with neuroplasticity. I can't say that word. Neuroplasticity. Yeah. to the connection from the brain to the muscles of the legs of using a shoe, a high heel, a boot, a sneaker. So when you really think of all those magical things that we can all do with our feet that actually retrain the brain of walking and remembering, oh, okay, that's that part. That's what she's doing today. Okay, yeah, we got to like re-engage those muscles. And I've noticed even when I don't work out, that my legs still stay a little bit of the same texture of muscle because of the way I use my shoes. Yeah, yeah, that's, it, that's a really good point. And it has to do with, um, so a big part is your balance. Your balance is, is being tested when you're walking in high heels. You have to have coordination in your legs. You have to go, have good balance in your legs in order to walk without falling in, in high heels. Um, also, there's it's a big thing called base of support, which is important for when we're practicing balance. And if you can picture like a flat sneaker has like a wide base of support and that whole part is touching the ground and giving you more of a sense of where your foot is versus a high heel, you have a little part up here and then like a tip down here. So Mm -hmm. not very much of your foot is touching the ground. You're not getting those, that sensory information telling you where your foot is. So, you know, and if you think of a, a bigger example is a walker. So why does mm-hmm. a walker help you improve your balance? Because your base of support went from just your two feet to now you have your two feet plus this whole barrier where the walker is. Um, so if you're taking, you know, increasing and decreasing your base of support makes you work on balance and coordination. Um, it can improve your safety, but it can also, it is a it's a form of compensation instead of something that you're using to help retrain and improve. Um, so yeah, standing on in a high heel is way more challenging for your, for your balance. And that's, I think that's really smart and that's a great way to just get like a little bit of exercise in while being fashionable. Um, I always have patients like walk on uneven surfaces Mm -hmm. as well. That's a really good challenge for your balance and your proprioception. So walking, I like I do exercises on standing on foam mats which okay. will improve your balance and translate to like not falling when you walk on 
say, rocks or sand or grass. So kind of using that to train yourself to be in different situations, but being able to maintain your balance. Exactly. Like we have to be billy goats, really, you know, like running through the fields and running up a mountain on a corner of a cliff and learning to hold that balance no matter if it's flat, high, you know, completely vertical or like, whoa, you're like downhill. So I think that that is a great challenge. Like walking in the sand is great therapy, you know. Yeah. putting on your hiking boots and going into an environment that is not just a straight flat road and really being like, whoa, like we're little babies again. Our arms are out. We're protecting ourselves from the fall, but we're kind of like all over the place. And it is like your nephew, like learning and moving forward. And that connection from the brain um helped me out. I to just kind of took the brain to the muscles. Yeah. And that's, you know, and, all working in those different environments is, is all, it's all important. If you if all you do is train on like a treadmill or train on like walking on flat surface in your home, that's not going to translate very well when you want to walk on the beach or you want to go on like a unpaved like walk in the woods. You you use different muscles in different ways during all of those different tasks. So definitely changing up how you're as long as it's safe, you know, changing up where you're walking and and what texture you're you're focusing on is is all helpful i've also noticed help me like explain this i can walk upstairs to my in my home very easily last night going to the beach the stairs were not as wide as my stairs at home and they had sand on them because it from people going up and down up and down so it went from like this to this then to a little of this then to like a windy turned stair and that alone was so fatigue with my legs that by the time we got home it was like I was in the gym pushing 150 pounds of weight sitting in a machine that we have that is so easy for me to do and just pump out the workout than it was for me to have that many different like short steps, wide steps, big steps, and mm-hmm. all that different movement. And because of the sand and the slipperiness, I I was just like I'm wiped out. I'm exhausted. Yeah, and you know that you had, you had this, you, when you do your stairs at home, you've done those stairs. I mean, how many hundreds of times? You don't even have to really think about it. You know where the step is. Your body knows how tall the step is. You know how many steps mm-hmm. there are in a row versus when you're doing unfamiliar steps, especially it sounds like you were on some crazy ones. Um, you <laughs> yeah. your, your brain is like really has to think, okay, this is the next step because, you know, your, your end goal is I don't want to fall. So um, I this step is here. Oh, there's some sand on that. I better be careful. I don't want to slip. And then so your brain is like so engaged when you're doing unfamiliar tasks and, and um, in different places. So it was – it was actually good rehab, but it sounds like it was higher. Yeah, and I was in my wedges. I was in my six-foot wedges and a, and a dress at that, walking my dog. So it's just like, oh, <laughs> I literally felt like your little nephew, like learning how to walk and move again. Um, yeah. It's just amazing how powerful this brain is. And even though living with MS, 
and getting back to multiple sclerosis and talking about the neuroplasticity that is your favorite part of what you do and retraining everybody, it's just people, I believe, think that they have to go to a building for rehab. But you truly, you some people do. Um, but in reality, there's so much rehab around you in the environment that when you're working with your doctors or moving around, you're actually rehabbing and you're not realizing you're doing it. Yes, yeah, yeah, that's true. I, I come to people's homes for when I provide rehab and I have just like a bag of stuff and it's pretty simple. I try to use things that people already have around their home or in their environment or their community even because um, yeah, rehab can be in just, just changing environments. It can be with some like a Sometimes I'll have people put like cans of soup in a laundry basket and that's your weight because I love using ah. weights for exercise. So just getting creative, like a gallon of milk is eight pounds. So we can like curl with a gallon of milk or a gallon of water or whatever it is that you have and just finding creative things that you, you have at home. Um, body weight exercises are great. But yeah, walking on the grass is, is good if you're used to walking on flat surfaces, which we talked about. Um, yeah, balancing in different environments, you know, in different rooms even. If there's like one room's darker than another one and your vision isn't able to help with your balance, that's a huge challenge. Um, so, yeah, getting creative. Like we all have things around the house, even if we don't think that we do. Um, just getting creative with what you can use in your own environment. It doesn't have to be somewhere, somewhere crazy. Okay. Well, that's great to know because I don't think we view our home as – therapeutic and using yeah. everything that we have to do right? right I think we all kind of are like well no that's a couch how can a couch help me well it can help you do a lot of things um right what inspires you yourself in life so that I, makes I, I, you I love you love reading yeah I love reading I love books especially um I've recently gotten into like biographies um, so just personal stories of, of people who kind of overcame the odds um, and have achieved something that they didn't think they could. I, I love stories like that because, you know, that's, I, have a, I have a bunch of goals that I'm trying to work on and um, knowing that, that it's possible and hearing people's experiences and stories who have overcome, you know, more adversities than I have is really inspiring. Um, you know, that's, I've gotten a lot of that from the MS community in general. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I love, I'm really into biographies right now and, and inspiring people, whether it's on social media or books or shows or, you know, documentaries. Um, yeah. I have to send yeah. you my book then so you can read all about it from age. <laughs> it's, huh? it's on my list. Yeah. I, I will send you, it. I will send you a signed copy today. Oh my goodness. That's really, wow. That's awesome. I will Thank send you, you so a much. signed copy today. It's literally from age two to 52 years old and it takes you through a windy road of laughter chaos trauma ups and downs like it, it will bring you through every emotion you can probably imagine to laughter out loud to being like holy shit oh my god i, I can't put the book down i gotta keep reading <laughs> maria yeah, thank you wait. my love she's read my book and she loves it and it's you know it's just I wanted it to be so natural to who I am, but so raw to how much torment 
I lived through and how I found my way out. Yeah, I, that's exactly what I'm what I'm um, inspired by. So I cannot wait to read your book. Oh, and I, I know last time we talked, you gave me so many good tips about writing my book, and it's almost done. I'm hoping to publish it in like six to eight weeks, and in like the editing process. So uh, you gave me some great tips, and I know there's other people that I've read um, on Instagram interested in writing novels. So yeah. hopefully, you know, your tips that you you gave me and this can help inspire other people to continue writing their story. It really is. You know, I mean, when you think about it, um, you love to read. I love to read. I love to look at research. I love to learn new things, right? But I'm the worst speller in the world. I think I told you that. <laughs> you did. <laughs> my brain gets stuck because of my multiple sclerosis, right? And I, I basically was like, I'm just gonna write because that's what an editor is for. And hooray, it works. And I just wrote and I couldn't remember, I would leave the chapter and I would go to something that I could remember. And then I would just continue to write. And then when I was done, my first book was over a thousand ninety pages. And then we oh broke after the editor got it, it got it down to like 780 pages. And just wow. like taking my like 12 words that really didn't need to be there where one word could go. So everybody in the world could write their life story, could write their legacy. And just imagine if everybody wrote their legacy, their yeah, life. It, yeah. That yeah, is people, the world of yeah. teaching, right? Absolutely. Yeah. I didn't know, you know, I don't, I don't consider myself like a person of many words. I didn't think I would be able to write enough words down to write an entire book. And I was like, I know, I know a lot about physical therapy and I know I know a lot about multiple sclerosis, but am I going to be able to like write a novel about it? And you know, once you write down the structure and kind of just start, it's amazing like where you'll flow and I'd go, I'd go on walks and say, Oh, I, I can't forget to talk about this topic and I'll jot it down in my phone. And you know, before I know it, I'm almost at like 40,000 words and yeah. Um, yeah. So it's, it's crazy. It is, but when then when you imagine you're doing the neuroplasticity in your brain because you are writing about so many different topics, right? Which yeah. is creating, yeah. you know, memory. It's creating thought, hearing, movement. It it just yeah, you're retraining your brain when you are writing. Absolutely, yeah, and I think you know what you said. You, you struggle with spelling, but it, or it's been like thinking about all the different words you can put into it, but then. You know, as you get going, you'll think, oh, yeah, that's a good word I can use. Or I look up, like, synonyms all the time. Um, and so I think that's making me – it is helping my brain, too, which I think is um, something that, that, I need to, that I need to work on. You know, I, after I graduated school, I kind of just got into a routine of going to work, coming home, and I wasn't using my brain as much as I wanted to um, once I got more comfortable with my job. So I think this, this was, like, a challenge that I really needed, and I think – if other people are interested in writing that have multiple sclerosis, it's amazing what that can do to help your brain. It's so true. And I never realized it. I was just like, my life is so chaotic and so crazy. You would never believe it. And then my girlfriend kept saying, write your book. Just write it. Because the shit that's happened to you will save someone's life one day. And sure enough, I wrote it. It did well. I wrote number two. And now number three is 
I just have to start sending them all my photos to put the book together. And so that's awesome. Before you know it, it's like, wow, it's just, yeah. I'm not a great speller. I don't know where a period goes or a capital starts. I mean, I don't. I know the basics. Don't get me wrong. I write yeah. every day, but putting a novel together, putting a fiction thing together, putting a poetry book together, all of that is really retraining the brain. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know. I haven't. My editor, like, I'll go on, and there, uh, there's like a million comments or commas, and I was like, I thought I was good at putting commas places, but apparently I don't know where they all go all the time. So thank goodness for my editor. Thank goodness for my editor comments. at Fulton Books. <laughs> it comes back. I see the red lines and the blue, and I'm like, okay, yeah, get great. Click, <laughs> and yeah. then yeah. they and magically I- make it happen. So never feel like yeah. you can't write your personal autobiography or write a you know a a book about the brain uh, and moving forward like you're doing to help us all learn when we buy the book and go from your experiences from Dr. Sam Benson and everything that it is can you give us the name of the book do you know it yet it's called yes it's called breakthrough multiple sclerosis so it's about that breakthroughs are not just in, a, in the pill or shot form, sometimes it can be a breakthrough just by learning and learning to move differently. So it's called Breakthrough, and hopefully it's, it's it'll be published in my goal is six to eight weeks, but I'm still in the editing process, and that is taking a, taking a while. I just want to make sure that it is um, all-inclusive and the best that it can possibly be. Yeah, that's great. And the editing process does take a while when you have when you're working with a professional editing team. But it has to yes. be perfect. So well, actually, it has to be the best it can be. I don't like the word perfect. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> what are you going to do outside of rehab and MS to continue to grow your business? So we just talked about your book. So where else do you see you going? Do you want to do a tour? Do you want to do a book tour and then speak and then show therapy? Like, How do you want to move your business going forward? I definitely want to try to reach more people. Like I do feel limited in in who I can see and, and when I can see them. Um, as you know, someone that goes to people's homes, and I'm you know, in, I live in Philadelphia, so that's you know, I'm I'm only going to people's homes in Philadelphia. So I like I love that the book can help you help other people like work through preventative rehab around the world. Um, so I'm, I'm thinking about doing other things along that same platform. Um, have you ever heard of Can Can Do MS? No. Tell me about uh, it. So they, so that's it's a company. Um, it's a really inspiring company. Um, they've been around, I think, since the early '90s. Um, but it's a nonprofit, and I am like talking with them. Hopefully, I'm going to be in in their platform to do some like online co- like coaching sort of, and or host classes on specific topics. Like maybe one would be like getting motivated to exercise, or like giving some general preventative rehab ideas. Um, so. It's yeah. He it's a, it's this guy who pioneered the philosophy of health through exercise and nutrition, and it's a, it's a, it's for MS and it's enabling those with MS to lead healthier lives. So they have a lot of different health professionals, um, and I'm you know hope, talking to them. I think in the next they already have the first six months of the year lined up with their programs, but it's a lot virtual right now, so okay. I'm in person. And I think that could be like a great way for me to to continue reaching more people. That's amazing. I love that, and. Um... Hopefully, you know, you got, you said about six to seven weeks before the book is released. 
and you got the marketing of it and going forward, um, let me know when the book is released because I would really love to do another podcast with you about the book itself. Yes. And then yeah, also, um, I'm just going to say it out loud, you know, my my website is all about community and um, I have the part where it says MS links and connections. So as soon as your book is ready and for sale, all I need is the link for people to go to to go buy your book and it can be presented on my website with your bio as Dr. Sam Benson and I will help you get your book sold. Wow, Don Marie, that's amazing. Yeah, I can't wait to read your book and you know, you've been so helpful in, in all the things that I'm doing for my business and my book and um, you know and Instagram and, and everything. So I, I love talking to you and I would love to be on your podcast again. Absolutely. Anytime. Yeah. Just let me know as soon as you have the book in your hands and um, oh. I, I'll get the book at the same time. I'll do my research. So we have lots of questions <laughs> for everybody. And I, you know what I would really love to see um, on your Instagram, not that you don't have enough to do, um, I love that you have the the writing about the brain and the neuroplasticity and MS and things that you can do and you're showing the exercises and everything. If you could think of putting together a video of off balance of the things that are in our home that can help us versus using a walker. Okay. All right. Like, you know, like I, and I think I'm going to actually do a thing about how I always managed my heels and how it manages my upper body, my feet, my core, everything. Cause I yeah, really think when people really look about what they put on their feet, and how they're moving constantly throughout the day, that will also really train them to realize it is neuroplasticity. It does work with movement. It works with muscle movement. It works with the thought of my foot is now going here and now it's out of here. And like a whole like foot therapy of balance, I think would be incredible on your Instagram. Yeah, I, I love that idea. And like I said, I'm always looking for ideas. So if anyone has any or if you have more, I would love to make a post about it. So I will, I've def there's so many things we can do in our home, like carpet and you know, different, like the couch, the bed, like different environments are so good for our balance. So yeah. thanks for that idea. I will definitely make yeah. a post about it. I, I love that. I mean, I never even thought to make a video of that, but maybe I will. I'll get really goofy one day and do something. But <laughs> I think you should. Yeah, everything you were saying makes a lot of sense. So I, I'm not a heels person, but I should be. <laughs> oh, just go buy some. You know, you don't have to spend a lot of money. Go to TJ Maxx. That's my favorite store. It's in my book. I taught. It's like my therapy store. Um, or anywhere, just and just don't you don't have to spend a lot to get a like a high heel, a wedge, a sneaker, whatever you've got in your house, use but get other things to force your foot and your leg a boot, a boot that's flat, a boot with a heel, and because it also structures your calf differently. Like, right, my closet with shoes is my leg gym, basically. Yeah, it is. And, it, yeah. and, you know, I've always thought of it that way, but I've never really thought to talk about it that way. But yeah. it's, yeah, it definitely, yeah. So it's never feel like... balance, too. Balance and strengthening. You're getting, like, two in one. And I learned, I also have to, I, I force myself to run in the shoes. Wow. Like, okay, you're, I got to get upstairs. Ankle control. 
Yeah, your, your ankles have to be pretty tough. Oh, I don't know. I well, they're ankles. <laughs> I don't well, know. I think because you've been wearing them for so long, that you your ankles have to be really strengthened too. Because Probably. a lot of people that haven't worn them before will like would roll their ankle. So yeah, walk walk before you run. But definitely, if, if that if that helps you, that's that's awesome. I love that. <laughs> it's great. It's a yeah. creative workout. It's hilarious. My kids when they were little, and, and this is just a fun story of like in heels and not knowing I had the disease until later, until 2012, but I would be tired and I'd be like, they're like, mom, you can't get me, you're in heels. And I would be like, yeah, my legs are tired, but I'm going to get you. And you see me (laughs) running after my little kids in high heels. And, you know, it's like the running joke of our house. Like, don't ever dare mom to run after you in heels because she will beat you. And I don't understand how I can possibly do that when I have been completely paralyzed and I can't move my legs. And days that my legs are so fatigued and they're on fire and they're pins and needles, but it's like, okay, no, you got to get working. I got things to do. Let's go. And it's almost like what you were saying, the memory of the the brain, I can't say that word, plasticity, plasticity, yes. Like when I go into my closet and I see all of these different high heels and flats and everything. And it's like, it's almost like my body knows to reach for that pair. Yeah, like I need I need this workout today. Yeah. And I never really realized it to just today, talking with you about that. So yeah, I, I, that's not something that I had ever thought to do as training because I'm not like a heel wearer, but I love that idea. And I think I'm going to start using it for more people now. So I'm glad we talked about that. We both yeah, we both learned something new and I've been doing it for years and but I never really thought of it as a therapeutic way of training yeah, your feet, yeah, it, it your ankle, is. your heels, your butt, your 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 glutes, your calves. Um, what's that big part of our leg? Um, your quads, yes, hamstrings, your quads, and even when you're barefoot and you're walking downhill or you're walking uphill, all of a sudden you're like, my shins are killing me. But fire. when yeah. you don't use that shin muscle because of height and low and down, it hurts. But when right. you're constantly changing your shoes up. Now, men, I'm not telling you to get high heels, but <laughs> you never know. I mean, it could be something that you, like, step up on. So, like, step ups, moving, things like that. Just changing yeah. the entire structure of the leg and core. Yeah. To keep Genuine. moving. And the support that you're on, too. That's such a, it's really important. That's it's a really creative, cool way to work out your strength and balance. I love it. Yeah. Wow. I just top. Huh? Yeah, I'm gonna give myself a tap on the back. I just taught myself <laughs> something new with that. A lot listening to you about you know the whole brain and moving together. So, Dr. Sam Benson, where can people find you that are listening to this on the podcast? Where can they go? Uh, I am on social media at Brainhab PT. So it's like Brainhab, like brain rehab, and then PT. Mm-hmm. Um, that's also my website, brainhabpt.com. Um, so I, you know, mostly emails and messages is where I'm getting people and sending information and, you know, helping people with some, I'll do free 15 minute consultations to, 
just answer a couple questions or talk to someone if they're kind of on the fence about doing physical therapy, um, like not sure if it can help them or what it can do to improve their life. So um, I'm, I'm really open to communicating with anybody, email, um, Instagram, whatever, mm-hmm. whatever you prefer. Um, but yeah, I'm always, always available, always willing to talk to people, get new ideas for posts um, or communicate and help people with their rehab goals. Awesome. And then also, Dr. Sam Benson, can you tell everybody where you graduated from? So if they're like, oh, I went to school there and they want to reconnect with you, where did you graduate from? Yeah, I got my bachelor's at Western Michigan University and then my doctorate at Temple University here in Philadelphia. Okay, great. And so your residence now is Philadelphia. So anyone in the general location of the East Coast can very easily find you. Yeah, I'm licensed um, as a physical therapist in Michigan and Philadelphia or Pennsylvania. And then um, I do virtual wellness sessions for anyone um, internationally. So anywhere in the world, there's something that, that I can help with for your physical therapy and rehab and or even just talking about talking through some ideas and different things or collaborating with other rehab specialists or people um, interested in multiple sclerosis. I'm always open to anything along those lines. <laughs> That's amazing. Okay. And then what else would you like the world of podcast world on Spotify and Apple who listen to Live with Don Marie podcast and they come across this and they see that you are a doctor, a brain doctor, rehab and you have all of the qualifications and they've just been diagnosed with anything. It doesn't have to be multiple sclerosis. It could be they just suffered a stroke and they realize you're located in Philadelphia. What would you leave them with knowing that they are, you are open to having them come to talk to you? Yeah, I, I think just the, that the brain is, you know, the, the fascinating kind of core of our of who we are and what we can do. But when it's subject to any kind of neurological damage, um, it, it can be devastating to our, our lives, our daily lives or our you know hobbies, and our tasks, um, anything. But there is rehab potential for the brain. And if you know what to do and how to do it, um, you can make meaningful progress and meaningful improvements Mm -hmm. um, to help you get back to what you love doing and and what's important to your life. So any any neurological damage um, can be helped, whether it's, you know, if it's, you know, ALS, you can have energy conservation techniques and learning how to do meaningful things in your life. If it's a stroke, it's, you know, or MS, it's, relearning and preventing certain things from happening um, so that you can live the you know the highest quality of life that you possibly can. So before we go, we have a question from, I think, I don't have my glasses, I think it's Candid, um, Candom, Candom 78. Do you work with heat and cold sensitivity issues with the brain? So yes, I actually I, did a I, post the other day um, with the MS Warrior post that I used for awareness about heat and cold tolerances that we deal with. How do you rehab the brain to help you understand, to help the body understand that process? Yeah, I love that question. Um, I talk a lot about this in my book, but heat sensitivity seems to be a particular trouble for people with multiple sclerosis. So interval training is actually really, it's something I talk a lot about and what I 
what I focus on in the book. So heat um, interval training, which is essentially doing short bouts of exercise with rest breaks in between. And rest breaks allow your body to cool down, especially your your core temperature to kind of come back to the you know, room level um, and then returning to exercise. So exercising in bouts, interval training, using techniques like a cooling vest or um, spray bottles to try to cool yourself down or cold. I have my patients sometimes put a, a damp towel in the freezer and wear it around their neck when they're exercising or during a break. So just, and you know, even people who want to sit in a hot tub or go to the beach, you can still do those things as long as you take breaks and bring and you're prepared and bring certain things to cool yourself down at intervals. Um, and when those intervals are is different for everybody, but mm -hmm. um, as long as you're spending the time to try to cool your temperature down, you can do almost anything. That is so true. So true. And you know, um, I go through so many hot and cold issues. It's insane. Like there's times when my feet are purple because that part of the brain is not letting the blood flow or feeling the sensitivity of everything going through. But yeah, hot and cold issues are a huge problem with multiple sclerosis that people do not understand. And I hope the post that I put up there with the video of like the flames and everything coming up around you, it's really difficult for us to adjust that. And that's something that the world needs to know also with people with stroke people with mm -hmm. diabetes and also people with um, heart and cancer because their bodies have gone through so much trauma that they also can't regulate hot and cold. So it's not just MS. I think it's right. kind of like a generalization of how to deal with hot and cold intolerance. Yeah. Yeah. I think, you know, it, it is, it is like, it is more, um, the line, the border between being hot and cold is very specific to multiple sclerosis. Like there, people with MS are, are a lot more sensitive than some other neurologic conditions. And what you can get if you, if you do become too hot or too cold is what's called a pseudo exacerbation, which mm -hmm. I'm sure you've experienced before, but it's essentially the symptoms you would get if you were had, had a new lesion or an exacerbation, but it's, be, it's because your body got too hot or too cold. So that, it is funny, or not funny, but like unique to um, multiple sclerosis. To multiple sclerosis, yeah. I mean, it is it is the, the it is a part of the brain that is um, can happen with any neurologic condition. But from my research, it seems to affect people with multiple sclerosis more than other neurologic conditions. Yeah, and I really love to know why. Yeah. <laughs> Honestly, like someone in the research department, please find out why and how do we retrain that part of the brain to adapt and help us not deal with that situation and you yeah. know at first I in my early 40s before I was diagnosed I thought okay I have having hot flashes I'm having like premenopausal issues and it wasn't it was multiple sclerosis issues so yeah yeah I know I know it has like it can change the way that your nerves function which is a big part of how we get MS lesions and so being too hot and too cold can change the, the conductivity of our of our nerves like how fast they're working mm -hmm. um, but yeah why it's more specific for multiple sclerosis is something that definitely needs more research and attention exactly 
Well, Dr. Sam Benson, I cannot thank you enough. You gave us so much brain therapy today, (laughs) so much information on how to continue to move forward in a positive light with your Instagram, with the new book that's coming out. I can't wait for that. And as soon as it comes out, I need you back on the show so we can talk about it and let everybody know where to get the book and let me know if there's a pre-order when you're done almost done to the final stage and I will help you get that out to the public and go from there because we all need that book. Thank you so much. Yeah, that's incredible. I'm so happy that I met you and that we got to do this podcast. I can't wait till it's published and we can do it again and talk all things preventative rehab and uh, multiple sclerosis. Thank you so very much. And thank you for choosing to be a brain doctor and a therapist in rehab and teaching all of us how to really retrain our brain, whether we have an actual illness and a brain injury or that anything in general because you could have chosen anything else and you will forever be a part of my family and a part of the ms community and we all love you and if you are not following dr sam benson today you need to follow her immediately once this (laughs) podcast is done and it is at brain rehab no brain Hab. Brain have PT. I know. It's, <laughs> brain have PT on Instagram. It has its own. It makes you think about it. It's brain, it's brain rehab just by the, saying the name. <laughs> it is, but it's actually, it's a visual, like, brain, exactly what we're talking about. Like, you have to really think yeah. about the words. So, yeah. um, <laughs> it was an honor today spending this hour and a half with you podcast. And thank you an awesome for podcast. your time and Thank you for all of your knowledge and your energy and teaching us. And I cannot wait to see where you go with this book and moving forward into your future. Thank you so much, I'm. Thank you for inviting me into this community. It's um, it's a it's a truly unique, incredible community. So I'm so happy to be here, and um, I can't wait till we can do it again. Yes, everybody. If you loved this episode and you know anybody that needs help with brain therapy, please. Hit the forward button and send it to 20 of your friends. Send it to everybody that you follow because someone else will look at it and say, oh my God, I need to send this to Aunt Susie or I need to send this to Uncle Bob because they're having brain problems. So share this interview and podcast with everybody that you love, that you know needs brain help, brain therapy, and there's laughter throughout this podcast and amazing things that people need to learn. So share, sharing is caring. So care today and share this podcast with many of your friends. And I will announce it again, sharing is caring. So share this podcast and also go out and follow me on Apple and Spotify live with Marie. download all your favorite episodes. And I want this episode downloaded at least, I'm going to say 200 times because there's 200 people out there in the world that need to listen to this podcast that need brain therapy. So I'm challenging all of you guys to go follow me today and download. 200 times.
All right. I know I will. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, thank you so very much. Once again, Dr. Sam Benson, her book is coming out. She is fabulous. And we cannot wait to have her back on live with Marie. Have a fabulous evening. And I will talk to you soon. Bye. Thank you. You're welcome. Bye-bye. Bye, everybody.